Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. If you're listening during the live broadcast, you could also join us in the chat room with your free blogtalkradio.com account to sign up. Go to the episode page, look to the bottom, and there's the show chat right there. Also, if you're watching live on YouTube, you can leave your comments, questions, etc. over on the uh, chat YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, please remember to subscribe on YouTube as well, be it for or after. And if you're listening after live broadcast, you can always leave your comments on the YouTube channel thread or on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about uh, this week. Uh, so uh, last week we managed to have, you know, after the show, we got a lot of traction uh, talking to individuals about the whole issues with Kyle Rittenhouse. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So if you're tuning in right now to, to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, we will get there in a second. I do want to talk about it, some other issues as well. Um, some, some headlines of the day. I'm not really doing it as headlines like I normally would do, um, but there's a bunch of stuff that, that happened today. Uh, Captain Kirk, Denny Crane, Bill Shatner went into space. Uh, Captain Kirk has now went into space, and uh, you may have a lot of opinions, positive or negative, about uh, Captain Kirk uh, based off of you know what he's done when it comes to uh, his coworkers or his statements that he's made uh, that have been insensitive, but um, it's just kind of interesting and neat uh, to see that, you know, we're getting into space. I uh, just would like to see more stuff happening on Earth, too. Uh, not Earth 2, like the other Earth, but on Earth as well. Um, and Herschel Walker, who canceled a fundraiser uh, with a supporter who used one of those uh, needle swastika images uh, at Bettina VTX or whatever on Twitter uses one of those four needle, four syringe uh, swastikas. Uh, and, you know, they were trying to, I guess, get Herschel Walker, Walker to defeat uh, the incumbent in the next upcoming election in the Georgia Senate race, since I believe it's Raphael Warnock who is up for re-election quickly after the special election that he won back in 2020. Uh, why, you know, I guess if you're going to get that high up in politics, one would think that you would get, uh, you know, a little more careful about who you incorporate, who you invite in, who you help do your work, especially just checking their social media presence and see what it is exactly they're doing. Uh, maybe he got one too many concussions on the field. I don't know. But clearly there's a uh, problemo uh, with whoever's vetting who his campaign is working with. And it can't look good uh, for him. Of course, there are people who are like, I don't care about those things. As long as he defeats the Democrat, I'm fine with him. Just hooking up with whoever he wants to uh, hook up with, be it people with swastikers or people with uh, – clan hoods or whatever. So, yeah, they don't care. They don't care at all. But I did want to bring that up on the show today. Um, what else? Oh, you got stealthing. 
Um, if you're not aware of what stealthing is, and if you have a kid in the room, I don't know, maybe I'll try and keep this as PG as possible, but uh, stealthing would be the idea of wearing protection or, or, or letting the partner know that, you know, you are going to be wearing some sort of uh, protection during intercourse, but then removing it, you know, before or during intercourse so that you don't, in fact, use the condom. Uh, stealthing is now illegal in California. It is now considered a sexual assault. Uh, you cannot do that and get punished and not get punished uh, in the state of California. Why this is not illegal all over the place is beyond me. Like, you know, if, if I'm very sex positive, do whatever it is that you want to do when it comes to sex. Uh, make sure that, you know, you know, but make sure you get consent for everything that you want to do. If you don't get consent for everything that you want to do, then, you know, you might be raping somebody uh, because if without consent, what do, what do you have? And consent is, is no longer, it's no longer good enough. And it's good. And it's no longer, I, I was taught the standard no means no. Uh, but you know, some people are incapable of saying no, or some people feel that if they say no, because of the power being exerted over them, then they're going to either get harmed or hurt or whatever. So uh, a begrudging yes is still not a yes, yes. Um, and if you don't understand that, then you need to have some conversations and some maybe some personal reflection and understand that, uh, like, if somebody holds a gun to your head and says, give me your money, you then can't say, oh, well, they just gave me their money. No, they, they, they handed over the money because you had a gun to their head. They were scared. So if somebody is scared to say no to you, then that is not a yes, clearly. Hey, Sadie Sins, good to see you. Um, so yes, stealthing. California has gotten rid of stealthing, and or at least criminalized it, which is a good thing. Um, music news: uh, Smash Mouth singers, lead singer Steve Harwell, uh, who sang "I'm a Believer" and "All Star." has retired following a chaotic performance where he appeared to do the Nazi salute. And apparently he's an anti-vaxxer as well. Uh, I don't know why he would get up there and uh, do that salute in front of a live crowd where people, cameras could happen or whatever. Uh, I guess nobody really did tell him that the world was going to roll him. I guess he isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And he was looking even dumber than someone with a finger on and his thumb in the shape of an L on his forehead. And I guess as the years went by, I guess his head went dumb. Uh, Patrick's Time says, let's talk about Timothy George Simpkins. Uh, I'm not over, I could, I could search uh, Timothy George Simpkins, I guess. George. Oh, there you go. It came up on... Uh, Timothy George Simpkins is—is this the one from 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 Dallas? I I discussed uh, Mr. Simpkins. I think was it two weeks ago? Maybe it was last week that I did it. Um, here's the individual who could. We could talk about. I mean, Patrick's time. If you want to discuss uh, Simpkins and. and and maybe how it relates to what's going on written house later. I'm I'm happy to so we we can, we that discussion. I don't remember his Simpkins' name off the top of my head, which goes to show 
how new it is, and it's still, you know, not not a big trial going on. And he could, uh, if convicted, he could face up to 20 years in prison. And it, it, it's very well possible that he might get convicted and he might go to jail. Um, regardless of, you know, we have to look and see what Texas's laws are as it pertains to uh, use of deadly force. If he, if he legitimately felt that he was threatened, um, does deadly force apply? You know, it may or may not, and we have to look at that, and we can have that conversation. Um, we, we can again, we can talk about how Simpkins is treated with Kyle. And if you would like to uh, put some notes in the chat, and I will happily respond to that uh, in a little bit. So um, let's see. And let's talk a little bit about Texas governor stuff, some other things related to Texas. And I was probably going to hit. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse in the latter half, but if y'all would like to have a discussion on uh, the difference between Timothy Simpkins and um, Kyle Rittenhouse and and how you feel things are fair or unfair, how you think people, and here's the thing, Um, but here's one thing I'll just lead off with, with it, and we can get back to it later. Um, Nobody had any questions in their mind that Timothy Simpkins was going to get arrested or and risks time in prison for his actions. Nobody, there's there's no there's no like real controversy there of of people saying oh or not, people aren't trying to justify uh, Simpkins, you know, the, and what happened to him. You know, the, I, I'm thinking going to find I mean, even when I talked about it, I was like it's possible that he might have been bullied, but is that the but I don't think, I'm not going to say that this is the appropriate response to being bullied. Um, we do need to do a better job of bullying, of dealing with bullying when it comes to our schools. However, um, that's one of the reasons I think the media isn't treating this the same way as Kyle Rittenhouse is because with Simpkins, you know, you don't have to worry about if, if a black person shoots somebody that he's whether or not he's going to go to jail. A white person, whether or not he's going to go to jail, go to prison, uh, get punishment for his for his actions, for his crimes, probably not. But we're going to get back to that in a second. Simpkins was released on bond. Um, I think Rittenhouse was released too. Wasn't there a long time where Rittenhouse was not in jail? Wasn't there a long time where they didn't know where he was? He was out for a while, if I'm recalling that correctly. Um, so, and we'll, we'll, again, we're going to get to Rittenhouse in a second. Uh, but I do want to talk about one thing, um, or two things before we hit the first break. First thing being, uh, it was an interesting conversation I was having on a in a chat group dealing with canvassing rights, and somebody put, put a sign on their, on their door that says, the charge that I charge, uh, if you want to have a conversation with me about anything, you know, be it political or your religion or if you're a salesman, I charge 50 bucks. So if you want to talk to me, charge 50 bucks. Other people will say, you know, just please don't knock a ring on my doorbell. I don't want to be disturbed. And we had somebody in that chat who was basically like, well, I make a living. This is what I do. I canvass. I go door to door. And the law protects my right to go door to door and advocate for the issues that I support. And I have every right to go door to door and canvassing. And I'm like, yeah, the Supreme Court has ruled that municipalities cannot keep people from canvassing um, between the hours of like 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., so that's fine. You know, you can do it, 
but that doesn't mean it's okay for you to go ahead and knock on the door of somebody. Um, and this individual was a left-wing person. I looked at his profile. He clearly was a left-wing person. Um, so this is an example for all of you conservatives who might be listening tonight. Um, I will criticize people on the left when I disagree with them. And this is a left-wing person. He, was, he may have very well have been more to the left than me uh, when it comes to some issues, uh, maybe. But here's the thing. He, he felt so entitled that he should be able to knock on that door, ring on that doorbell. And if they told him to leave him alone, then he would leave him alone. I'm like, but they're telling you to leave you alone. They're putting a sign on the door saying, don't talk to me. So the fact, there, there is just such this entitlement when it comes to, you know, you have to. And here's the kicker with this with what happened with this story. Apparently, he, he found this person, found somebody with one of these signs, like, don't knock on my door, don't ring my doorbell. So they did. And he came down and he was like, I thought I said to have the sign here. And so the guy then followed the canvasser and started letting him know all about his beliefs and views. And I'm like, that's genius. But, but the guy was complaining. He was like, well, you can't, you know, that he shouldn't have come after me. I'm like, why not? If you, if you have the right to go onto his property and tell him what you want to tell him when it comes to canvassing or, or poll him, he should have the same right to do the same thing to you as long as you're on public property, as long as you don't invade personal space. So um, one other thing before we hit the first commercial break, uh, I do want to uh, – I do want to talk about something about my wife, my wife, like, but something with insurance and recalls and all this other stuff that takes place when it comes to, you know, if you need a loaner car for whatever reason, let's say you get in an accident and like somebody crashes into your car. So you get a car to, to replace while you're, while you're getting a new, while you're waiting on your car to get fixed. If your car is fixable, let's assume that your car is fixable. Or let's say uh, there's a recall on your car. Like my wife has a recall on her Kia Seltos. Um, they had to, and her car failed the inspection. She needs to get a new engine installed in the car. So what happens? Well, they didn't just immediately offer us up a car. We, we had to ask for the loaner. We're like, hey, do we, do we get a loaner? I mean, we're, we're paying a car note on your car. I should not have to, we should not have to go without a car while we're paying a car note for on your car. So we finally convinced them and they, or they said, okay, well, I'll go ask permission like you should have asked permission already. Um, we get to the Enterprise Rent-A-Car, who was ready to give her a compact car or whatever. I'm like, first of all, I have to be a passenger in this vehicle. My fat ass is not going to be fitting in a compact car. Two, we have an SUV. The Kia Seltos is is a smallest midsize SUV, but it's an SUV. You should be covering the cost of an SUV. You should be giving us the same card that we're paying money on our financing to, to pay for. It's ridiculous that we have to. So it, it just goes to show. It's one of the many reasons why just people have so many problems with insurance companies is because they want to want to nickel and dime you, and they want to, you know, they, they. I don't know if insurance is covering this particular rental or not because it is something that's going from from the recall. It's probably coming out of their business insurance. Who knows? But. I, I just it, it just goes to show how terrible these people can be when it comes to uh, them, you know, wanting to take care of their customers in a good way. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. 
come back, take your calls as well. 914-803-4131 uh, is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the liberal band radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show, mmm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, you can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok, and you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. I do want to ask uh, Demonox, our first uh, Liberal Dan Radio Patreon, our patron, or whatever you want to call it. Now that you're hearing it live, is the microphone even better than it was from playback, or is it just still the same? Or is it still the same, but still better? 
So anyway, um, do want to give shouts out to him, the first Liberal Dan Radio patron. Want to also give shouts out to Cesar and your boy Chris, and of course to uh, the host, the most Nimbus Yosh, my little brother, <clears throat> with the smooth sounds of the Percy Podcast. Uh, hopefully we will get many more Percy podcasts coming soon, as well as uh, the world according to knots, two high quality podcasts. And hopefully when there was one conversation, I need to go back into our chat because there was one thing that I was like, <laughs> I want to talk about this, but I want to get other people's opinions first. And now I forgot what it is, but it's way up there, I think. Um, in our chat, and it's something that, that I think we should form Voltron over and discuss. So we have, we're going to have to get that together one of these days and, and either do a live Voltron here on YouTube and Blog Talk Radio, or maybe do a, do a Voltron where we can uh, do the pre-recorded stuff and have the conversation on uh, Anchor, the other one as well. So we will see. So let's see. Oh, wait. Got, I, it's been such a long time since I've had this bit. And usually after we come out of the bit, we do this bit. Oh, where is... This is it. This is it. And now, words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Yes, I, I was really proud of that woman that stood up and, and talked about that. I can't say any... Uh, uh, her name or what it was all about, but I was really, I mean, I can say what it was all about, but I can't get to uh, where she was at, but I really admired her. I admire everybody who can stand up for the country and for their kids. If they don't stand up for their kids, the kids is, is lost. They, there's so many kids that is is lost anyhow. And, and the reason why is that the kids the parents can not actually really do anything too much for them. You can't whip a kid. You know, my mama whipped me and that whipped me in line. You know, you can't let your kids stand up and, 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 and not do what you tell them to do and everything. And you get threatened if, if you, you've got to have that. Uh, you've got, the, the, I'm a, there's five, eight kids in the family that, that, and I'm the fourth child. We were taught to respect our elders and to to not uh, do stuff that we're not supposed to. And if if we do not teach our kids that, that they're running the streets and everything. And if you try to get help for them, you can't get help because the the law is against the parents. You know, you can't you can't really do too much because the the law's gonna come in and 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 get you. And this concludes words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Yes, indeed. It sounds like their child abuse led to brain damage. Uh, there is, you know, sometimes there's, I was listening to a past uh, mini cast that I'd done over on Anchor, and I basically said that it was, it was going to be just a stream of consciousness with me just talking about stuff. I think the only way to describe that one was a stream of unconsciousness. 
This 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 woman, her name's Margot. Uh, she often calls into Jeff Carrere's uh, radio program on in the mornings on WGSO over here in New Orleans, even though she's from Texas. So, but she calls in from Texas to um, to Jeff's show, and it's it's around eight thirty, well, between eight fifteen and eight thirty every day that he gets to her. And she, it's that every time. And that's probably the worst of it. Uh, but, but what's funny is that I would love to make it a drinking game, except for the fact that usually when I'm listening to Jeff at that time, uh, I'm driving in the car and you don't want to make a drinking game while you're driving. Uh, but she has more often than not cursed, like full on S word, F bomb, whatever, just cursed right over the air. And, and every time she does it, Jeff's just like, because he has to deal with the FCC. I could drop an S, I could say it whatever I wanted to, if I wanted to. I mean, I don't feel the need to be over the top with it or have to say it just because I can, but it's just so funny. But the other day she actually gave some comment where she was like, well, well back when I was younger, uh, I, I supported that women should be able to have an abortion because if a woman got pregnant, she was treated badly. So that's why she should be able to get an abortion. But now women aren't treated badly when they get pregnant, so she shouldn't be able to get an abortion. And I'm like, why? Why? But it wasn't a long enough clip to make a good words of redneck wisdom, so that's why I chose this one instead. Um, I really don't get the whole let's go Brandon thing. I think it's the whole uh, supposedly it's supposed of F.U. Biden or whatever. Um, I guess that's just, I don't know, shows how. Well, uh, that Margo would probably have said, let's go, Brandon, and, and, and thought it meant something different anyway, because poor Margo. So sorry for Margo, especially the fact that she got a whooping as a child a bunch. Um, so speaking of Texas, uh, Texas has this whole thing of, oh, well, we're going to sign an executive order. So we don't, uh, so, so we, uh, so people don't have to be uh, punished for not being vaccinated. And I'm like, what? Are you talking? What is your problem? Why? What is the the amount of overreach of Texas government into people's lives is ridiculous. Like, I don't understand how conservatives with a straight face can say that they're for limited government um, when they are doing all of this government. They're, they're, they, they claim to be limited government, but then they want to ban people from getting abortions. They claim to be for limited government, but then they want to ban people uh, ban businesses from being able to protect themselves, their employees, and their customers by requiring uh, that the people who work for those companies have a vaccine. Um, of course, there's some questions. People have asked questions, well, what happens uh, if federal law and state law contradict? Well, the state law can't tell the federal government, the federal agencies, how to do their business. And so the, so the federal agencies are going to be able to tell their employees, look, even if you live in Texas, you gots to be masked, you gots to get the vaccine, or you gots to go. It's as simple as that. But no, they don't want to, you know, the, the conservatives only like limited government when it benefits them. When it doesn't benefit them, they want as much government as possible and shoving it right down your throat. That's conservatives and limited government. It's limited government when it comes to us being able to do what we want to do. But if somebody makes us do something we don't want to do, then they're like, oh, we need to use government. We need to use government so that you'll allow us to do what we want to do, even if it infringes on the other people's rights to be protected and safe in the spaces that they want to be safe in. Um, uh, 
Let's see. So they're, they're, they're kind of talking about stuff. Do you want to force people to wear a mask? As Patrick says uh, on there. Do I want to force people to wear If I have a business, I should be able to force people to come in and wear a mask. And people who come into my business should respect, either can say, no, I'm not going to come into your business, or they should be able to say, okay, I'm going to come into your business and I'm going to mask properly because those are the rules in your establishment. So, and, and, the, and the government should be able to enforce that. The government should back up private property owners and private business owners by saying, if you don't want to come into my, my place of business without being ma- vaccinated or masked or whatever, if I, want to show, if I want you to be able to show me that you have a proof of vaccination in order for you to be uh, in my business, then absolutely I should be able to do so and you shouldn't be able to fight that. Same thing as when it comes to employment. If I'm a boss and I want to make sure that all of my staff are vaccinated to make it less likely that people will catch disease, thus making it less likely that people are going to spread the disease, thus making it less likely that I'm going to have to deal with long-term sicknesses and have to, and gaps of, of, of people covering their shifts because they have to go to the hospital. If I want to make sure that everybody works for me is vaccinated, I should have absolutely every right to do so. And if you, if you don't, here's one of the things that is hypocrisy is a conservative prerequisite because here's the deal. If I just, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, anyway, but hypocrisy is a prerequisite for conservatism uh, because, uh, oh, where was I going with it? God damn. <laughs> They, they want – oh, yeah, that's right. They want – this is where I was going with it. It's the whole right-to-work thing. Conservatives believe in these so-called right-to-work, i.e. right-to-fire laws. Conservatives you know, want to bust up unions and stop you – know, they, they, they want to claim constitution. Unions should be something that's considered to be constitutional because people should, people should have the right to form a union if they want to. And people should have the right to, in that union to negotiate a contract between the union worker and the business and say, look, we as a union will give you the labor that you need uh, for your business, but we want to do it, make sure that under our contract that we're going to do so under a certain set of rules, which includes that everybody who works for your business is going to have to pay union dues. Because we, are go- we as the union are going to fight in terms of the employment contracts, and therefore we need to be able to have that support. So... Conservatives don't like that. Conservatives, conservatives say, well, I should have the right to work or I should have the right. But in reality, the right to work is just means right to fire because they want to bust up unions so that an employer can go. Yeah, they want states to be at will employment states so that you could so that employee can be like walk into a job one day and the boss goes, I fire you. Bye. For what? Because I feel like it. So conservatives will fight all day long to allow a business owner to fire somebody because they feel like it, except for when they don't agree with the reason for the firing, like not being vaccinated. That's that, that is one of the, one of my biggest problems with conservative hypocrisies right there is the fact that they will argue for at will employment. They will argue that a business should be able to fire anybody for whatever reason, whatever, 
But then when the business does it because you're not vaccinated, well, that's medical tyranny. We can't have that. No. You can't, you, have, you can't have it both ways. You either have to support the ability of, a, of an employer to fire for whatever reason and just be a, and they include one of those reasons being, well, you're not vaccinated, so I don't feel like hiring you. Or B, you need to be able to say, okay, well, um, you need to be able to say, okay, well, we, we, we support exceptions or whatever. We support, you know, negotiations. We support all this other stuff. Anyway, it, it's hypocrisy to the nth degree. Um, and they don't want to see it. They won't see it. And there's another, there'll be another bit of hypocrisy that comes up in a little bit uh, when it comes to, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say it now, um, when it comes to being a textualist. And I've, I think I included this on my video that I last posted earlier in the week, um, maybe Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever. Uh, there, there are people who are conservatives who will, especially like your higher ups, like your Ted Cruz's, the people who are you know, interviewing all of the nominees to be the Supreme Court, and they want textualists. Textualists. They want they want people to go only by the letter of the law, as written, no intent whatsoever. So these textualists will will say, okay, you know, this is the these are the specific words. You cannot take any intent into account whatsoever. You could only look at the words, and that's it. Which I say is BS. You have to look at the intent of the law, but I say it's BS, but it's BS too, because they don't believe that because when, as soon as you talk about the constitution and what the constitution means, they'll be like, well, if you look at the federalist papers, <coughs> if you look at the what now, the federalist papers, what are the federalist papers? If not the intent of the writers of the constitution. The Federalist Papers are clearly documents telling us how we should interpret the rules as written in the Constitution. So if, you, if, we're, if we're supposed to be textualists, then you should throw the Federalist Papers right out the window and not listen to them because you should only look at the text. But that's not how they roll. When it comes to the Constitution, let's look at the Federalist Papers. When it comes to every other law of the land, let's not look at the intent of the law. It's silly. There's one more piece of hypocrisy that I want to talk about this week, and it's this week's Hypocrite of the Week. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is candidate for Texas Governor Alan West, who now has COVID and sought treatment for it from the same people he openly criticized for vaccine mandates and other public health measures meant to protect the people. West also took ivermectin, a treatment not approved for COVID. West believes vaccine mandates are killing people. In reality, it's the science deniers who are killing people. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And if you want to get early access to every week's Hypocrite of the Week when I do them earlier than five minutes before the show starts, uh, you can become a Liberal Day and Radio Patreon, and you will see those. As soon as I make it, I will post it right to the Patreon, so you'll get early access to Hypocrite of the Week and perhaps other bits as well. One of the benefits of being a Liberal Dan Radio Patreon. So join. Go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Um, let's see. Boom, 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 boom. Where, where was something? Patrick, about, it's COVID-related here. Are you against black Americans, the largest unjabbed population? Sounds like you want segregation. No. First and foremost, the difference between, if you look at all the adults, take like the adults of 
you know, white Americans, black Americans, and I think Hispanic Americans, Hispanic Latinx Americans. Um, the most recent data that I've looked at show that there is no significant difference between the vaccination rates of black adults, white adults, and Hispanic adults. It's very slim. It's like 70 to 71%. Like maybe white Americans are 70%, black American, white Americans are 71%, black Americans are 70%. I believe that's correct. Let me see if I can look that up real quick just to make sure. Um, also vaccination rates by race. Do, 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 so here's what we're going to do. We're going to open this from brookings.edu. We're going to let it load. Uh, we're going to show it on the screen as well. Hey, look at that fancy stuff I'm doing. All right, of American surveyed from September 13th to 22nd, 72% of adults 18 over have been vaccinated, including 71% of white Americans, 70% of black Americans, and 73% of Hispanics. Of course, 90% of Democrats have been vaccinated compared to 68% of independents and just percent of Republicans. So the problem here is not uh, somebody's trait, you know, their, their skin color. That is not the problem. The problem when it comes to who is being vaccinated and who's not being vaccinated uh, is simply based off of their choice of political persuasion. That is what's the that that is what the problem is when it comes to vaccination rates. So, so I so I will question you since I have now shown you Patrick's time that the there is no there is no statistical significant statistical difference between the vaccination rates of Black Americans, White Americans, and Hispanic Americans. Um, hey, bringing a boy, wanted to give a shout out. But since I've now said that, uh, you are welcome to provide your own evidence and drop it in the chat if you so desire. To, um, however, I, I have proven my case. So there you go. My, I, I've, I've just proven your argument by making my case. Um, Patrick Simes says uh, COVID death counts are artificially inflated, but there are, there's, that's not true. Um, what is it? The jab causes the jab cause. There are some people who got injected, who got the jab, who have seen some myocarditis you know who else has gotten myocarditis people who haven't gotten the jab but who have gotten covid now, there are conservatives who have argued to me that having so-called natural immunity i.e having gotten a previous covid infection and as such having the covid antibodies naturally i.e not via a vaccine um that, that that is somehow better than being vaccinated and they point to a study uh, that was released from data in Israel um, that did show that people who have had the COVID vac- who have had the coronavirus, who have had COVID-19, have or do show levels of antibodies and do show resistance to the disease. But here's the thing. Here's two very important things about that study that the conservatives don't 
talk about when I talk about that Israeli study. First and foremost being that in order to get to that point where you are getting the virus and having those antibodies, means you have to get the virus. So you have to risk getting the virus the first time to be able to get those antibodies where you can get antibodies from the vaccine itself and be protected by the vaccine without risking the, the harm that comes by getting infected by COVID-19. Furthermore, the same study that showed that being uh, naturally immune, so uh, immune, quote unquote, being naturally immune is better than having the, the, the vaccine. Well, guess what? It also shows that if you, you're even more better off if you get an additional shot of the vaccine, boost your protection. So it is, if you're not vaccinated, it is always more beneficial to you to get vaccinated. End of story. Unless, and this is, this is, this is if you can choose to get it. I always, and a, a big caveat or is if your specific doctor in your specific situation says that you specifically should not take the vaccine, then don't take the vaccine, and I'm not going to judge you for not taking the vaccine because you'll be listening to your doctor's opinion. However, the people who are in that position that can't get vaccinated rely on everybody else for their protection to create the herd immunity. And so far, we have so many people in this country who are refusing to do what they need to do, like we did with polio, like we did with the measles, like we did with many other communicable diseases that we've stopped with giving people jabs and arms. But guess what? They won't do it for this because for some reason we've lost the idea in this country that we should do things for pe- to benefit other people and not just benefit ourselves. Uh, let's see. Patrick's time says survival rate of COVID-19 is better than 99.95%. That is incorrect. That is probably using uh, deaths over the total population of the United States. That is not. That is likely not using deaths over cases, which is how you determine how deadly a virus is. Furthermore, just because the virus didn't kill you, it doesn't mean it didn't harm you. This information is a little bit um, older than the other information that, that I looked at, but I've, I've, I've looked it up before. And of the, you know, you might get two percent of the people who, two to three percent of people dying from COVID nineteen. This is before the Delta variant came out. You also have the people who are getting sick and lifelong illnesses or lifelong conditions. You know, upwards of 10% of people who get COVID-19 are going to have lifelong conditions. Issues like myocarditis, lung scarring. There was a guy who lost both hands and both feet. They were amputated. Why were they amputated? Because he got COVID-19. Now, he survived, but... Him surviving doesn't mean that he wasn't harmed by COVID-19. So we need to do things as a society to, for the for the for the to help everyone else around us to keep the virus from spreading, to keep to give the virus less opportunities to mutate, to give the virus less less opportunities to spread. And the only way we do that is by following the science. But for some reason, people just don't want to follow the science. And you have other people who are greedy, who know that you have these, you know, people who are going to be easily manipulated by bad data and will be like, oh, no, you, well, you can, take, you can take ivermectin 
for it, go take ivermectin for it. But then, you know, they can't find a doctor worth his salt to give ivermectin because there's no evidence that ivermectin does anything uh, for people with COVID-19. So then because they can't get a doctor to prescribe it for them, they'll go down to the local weed and feed or some other animal supply store and get themselves uh, some ivermectin that's marked for horses or sheep, ironically, and they'll take that and then they'll end up getting sick. Why? Because they took sheep medicine and horse medicine. Patrick Simon, October 2020 FOIA request uh, revealed less than 10% of the official COVID death count as that time had been COVID as the sole cause of death. Okay. So, so, so if, let's say I have a well-managed condition and I expect to live 30 to 40 more years on my life with my well-managed condition, but me catching COVID makes that well-managed condition no more well, no longer as well-managed and I die because COVID made my current situation worse. Did I just die of COVID? No, I died of, of several things, but it's COVID that lit the spark, right? So that's, that's one of the things that, that, that gets ignored with that figure. And and like, again, most people, I think Demonox must, might have pointed it out a little earlier on the thing, but like, you don't die of HIV. You die of some other sickness that happens because HIV killed your immune system. You, you, you die of something else typically. But you're not dying of, of HIV. is just making you get either AIDS or making you die of pneumonia. A lot of people will die of pneumonia who have HIV. doesn't mean that HIV is, it not, is not deadly because you're dying of other sicknesses. COVID doesn't become less de- deadly because you, you, aren't die- you haven't died from COVID, but you died because COVID made you more susceptible to something else. So the idea that we should now not take COVID as seriously because only 10% is the only death, reason of death is absurd. Let's see. Let's go ahead and take the next commercial break. I haven't edited this one since June. I really need to, need to talk to Amber Rose Petrovich to see what's going on with her, to see if she wants to update this anytime soon. Uh, Until then, we're going to get the old June 30th advice of which uh, stock company you should use. But after the break, we will talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Uh, Respond to your messages in chat as well, 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Off to the left, that's right. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts You'll ever hear, and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the team. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? 
Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberalvan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit, you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberalvan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot dot com. This is Amber Petrovich, a.k.a. Just Capital, talking investing and finance in the Just Capital Minute. Finn refined the brokerage Robinhood, a record $70 million for, among other things, lapses in customer service. This brings up an important issue. Which brokerage should you use and how do you choose one? There are several things to think about when you're choosing or switching to a brokerage. The first one is fractional share trading. Some brokerages that offer fractional or partial shares are Schwab, Robinhood, Fidelity, and Interactive Brokers. The second thing to consider is what the brokerage's interest rate is for trading on margin, i.e. borrowing from your broker. The higher your account balance, the lower interest rate you will typically pay to trade with margin. The average rate is about 5%. The third thing to consider is research. How much market information, including news, technical, and fundamental data, do you want? Do you want interactivity in your charts? Do you want a social experience? Then Weeble may be the one for you. This has been the Just Capital Minute. Build wealth and fight the wealth gap. And welcome back to Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. You can also join us in the YouTube chat. The live chat is rocking and rolling with a bunch of people discussing the topics we are discussing. And the blog talk radio chat is empty. Cricket sounds. Wait, wait, where's my, where's my cricket sounds? I, I do have cricket sounds. Let's see. I'm going to use this. Uh, there we go. Actually, blogtalkradio.com uh, <laughs> chat room right now. That is that. So, there we go. Anyway. So, we, um, last week, talked about one of the, one of the big things that was revealed in the whole um, murder and other uh, case, other issues, uh, the, the so-called self-defense, uh, as conservatives want to say, of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, one of the things that came up was an argument that was made by the Rittenhouse's attorneys saying that the hunting laws or the hunting exceptions that were drawn into the law uh, make it so that Kyle Rittenhouse has an exception uh, to the rule and is therefore not prohibited from carrying that weapon when he was carrying it. Um, Of course, being a podcast, radio show, whatever you want to call me, obviously I'm going to be like, well, since he got the hunt, you know, he he was out there hunting, we will go. The the, the attorneys are going to argue that since since hunting, the hunting statutes allow him to do it, then the hunting he will go. There you go. It he was hunting. That they're admitting that he was hunting, and and you know for added effect. Um, in reality, they were arguing that a certain set of laws were written in a certain way. And I'm going to say this off right off the top. You know, determining whether or not a set of rules is unclear enough so that they can't be enforced on Kyle Rittenhouse is above my pay grade. 
that's what they pay the judge for. So if the judge ultimately says he, he didn't throw out the weapons charge yet, but he didn't deny that he could at some point later throw out the weapon charge. Um, but, you know, whether or not he's going to do that, I can't predict. Again, way above my pay grade when it comes to that. I'm not a lawyer, um, but I, I, I have been told by lawyers that I do have a uh, good understanding of the law for a lay person. Um, however, what I do want to do is, 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 is go over the arguments that are being made about 948.60 of the Wisconsin Code, the Wisconsin law talking about possession of a dangerous weapon by person under 18. So here we go. Clear, clear as day. Possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. And let's go ahead and bring it up on screen so we, everybody who's watching the YouTube video can see it. If you're watching this on or if you're listening to this on Blog Talk Radio, I'm sorry. Uh, I, don't, I, I didn't add this in my slideshow. Uh, but here is the law uh, on screen. Possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. In this section, I'll read it for you. So if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, you can hear it. And I can't see... Uh, the YouTube chat right now, so I'll respond to any comments made in the YouTube chat in a second. In this section, dangerous weapon means any firearm loaded or unloaded, any electric weapon as defined in S941295, blah, 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 metallic knuckles or knuckles of any substance that can be put to the same use with the same or similar effect as metallic knuckles, i.e. brass knucks, a nunchaku, nunchucks, or any similar weapon consisting of two sticks of wood, plastic, or metal, connected at one end by a length of rope, chain, wire, or leather, a cestus or similar material weighted with metal or other substance and worn on a hand, a shuken or any other similar pointed star-like object intended to injure a person when thrown, or uh, I'm not even going to... Menrikki Garcia? I don't know what that is. Um, or, of, or similar length of chain having weighted ends. So maybe like a flail... Maybe maybe uh let's let's Google that. Let's see what that is. We're we're gonna do some. We're gonna learn a word today. But what's 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 the word that we're gonna learn today? Um, a uh, Republican Kusari Fundo is classified as a legal offensive weapon. Um, let's see, a handheld weapon used in feudal Japan of a chain and a weight. Attached to either end of the chain, various sizes and shapes of chain and weight were used. There's no set rule in the construction of these weapons. Um, 10,000 powertrain or just Manriki. Okay, there you go. So there you go. You can see on Wikipedia that is what we are talking about when, on that last thing. So, and it's very important. So they're not talking about just firearms here. We're talking about any, any item that the state of Wisconsin has determined to be a, quote, dangerous weapon. Any person under 18 years of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a Class A misdemeanor. Acceptance provided in Part C. Any person who intend, Part C is here. Any person who intentionally sells loans or gives a dangerous weapon to a person under 18 years of age is guilty of Class 1 felony. Whoever violates Part B is guilty of a Class H felony if the person under 18 years of age discharges the firearm and the discharge causes death to himself, herself, or another. A person under 17 years of age violated the subsection is subject to the provision of 
chapter 938 unless jurisdiction is waived under 938.18. Um, so I'm assuming 938 is probably a rule about charging people as adults. Uh, it's a juvenile justice code. So yeah. So if you're under 17, which Rittenhouse is not, and you're and you're have the class A misdemeanor, you are then charged under the the uh, juvenile code. Otherwise, if you're 17, you you get charged as an adult, which was Rittenhouse. Um, so this section does not apply to persons under 18 years of age who possess or is armed with a dangerous weapon. Uh, when the dangerous weapon is being used in target practice of, with the supervision of an adult or in the course of instruction in the traditional proper use of the dangerous weapon under the supervision of an adult, i.e. you don't have to be just target practice because you could be using your nunchucks. And if they're training you how to use your nunchucks in a supervised way, then you're allowed to do so. Um, this does not apply to an adult who transfers a dangerous weapon to a person 18 under age of age for use only in target practice under the adult supervision or in the course of instruction of a traditional proper use of the dangerous weapon under the adult supervision. Not, this does not come into play here. Obviously, he was not training with target practice um, because you don't have get to use live targets in target practice. Um, so A, doesn't apply. B, section does not apply to a person under 18 years of age who is a member of the armed forces or National Guard and who possesses armed with dangerous weapons and line of duty. So basically, if you're working for uh, the armed forces or National Guard and you happen to be like 17, I guess, and enlisted or whatever, conscripted, whatever, if you're in the Army and you have um, and, you, and you are under the age of age, you, you can use your weapon because that's your job. Part C, this section applies only to a person under 18 years of age who possesses or is armed with a rifle or shotgun if this person is in violation of 941.28 or is not in compliance with 29.34 or 29.536. This section applies only to an adult who transfers the fire under a person under 18 years of age uh, if the person is under 18 years of age is not com in compliance with 29.304, 29.593, or to an adult who is in violation of 921.28. So what is 921.28? Nine, section applies only to a person who is in violation of 921.28. Um, so possession of a short-barreled shotgun or short-barreled rifle. Um, so basically, if you were a, a rifle, is a firearm to redesign. They're made or made to fire from the shoulder or hip. Short-barreled rifle means rifle having one or more barrels having less than 16 inches measured from closed breech or bolt face or muzzle, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, no person may sell, offer to sell, transport, or possess, or go on with it. So nobody can have a short-barreled weapon. Nobody can have this, except if you're in the armed forces or a peace officer or something else. Nobody is allowed to have one of these, first and foremost. So the idea that this section creates an exception No person may sell, offer to sell, transport, possess, purchase, possess, or go armed with a short about No person. So if no person can have this, you can't have it. You cannot have this if you're 12. You can't have this if you're 15. You can't have this if you're 17. You can't have this if you're 18. You can't have this if you're 35. You can't have this if you're 80. Whatever your age, if you're jumping, if you just came out your mama's uterus, you can, and if you're you're you can't hold it, you can't hold a short-barreled rifle or a short-barreled shotgun, unless you are authorized to use the methods by if you're a member of the National Guard or uh, any peace officer of the United States or any political blah 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 who has the the licensing and registration requirements under U.S. Code. So, 
Nobody can have a short-barreled shotgun or short-barreled rifle. So the idea that this somehow is any, make, this is supposed to make it so that Rittenhouse is allowed to have the gun because there's a part that says that it impl- that dealing with the whole short-barreled thing that nobody is allowed to have. That's ridiculous. Clearly, that doesn't make any sense. Furthermore, so you're saying if, if the people that are arguing that this portion of the law would then say that he can't he can have a rifle, but he can't have nunchucks, he can't have throwing stars, he can't have brass knuckles, he can't carry a brass knuckle, but he can carry at 17, but he can have a, a, an assault rifle. That's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. Now we can look at the previous. I believe this is correct. The previous editing of the law, where it used to say, used to say this section applies only to a person under 18 years of age who possesses or is armed with a rifle or shotgun if the person is in violation of 941.28 or in not compliance with uh, 29.304 or 29.593. This section. So, so they changed it a little bit, but again, the idea that this creates an exception for Rittenhouse or anybody else who was 17 is completely absurd. And is, or is not in compliance with 29304, So what do these laws do? 29304, restrictions on hunting and use of firearms by persons under 16 years of age. So that, that there was words, arguments made that look, people in the conversations that I was having about these laws they were saying, I don't know why I'm using my hands. You can't see my hands right now because I have this thing on my screen. But people who were arguing was like it's, that it's not just a hunting restriction. It's, it's a hunting restriction and use of firearms by 16 years of age. So restrictions on hunting, resistance on possession of control over fire. No person 12 years of age, older, but under 14 years of age may have in his possession any firearm unless he or she is accompanied by her parent or whatever, blah, blah, blah is enrolled in a course of instruction in a hunter program, blah, 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 blah. Person's 14 to 16. No person 14 year age but under 16 of age may hunt, may hunt, or on possession. No person under 14 year age or older but under 16 years of age may have in his possession to control any firearm unless he or she is accompanied by his or her legal guardian or by a parent or a person of at least 18 years of age who is designated by the parent of guardian. So it has to be a designee of the parent or guardian. Um, no parent or guardian under child of 16 years may authorize or knowingly permit a child to violate this section. Okay. So, but here, here's the deal. Restrictions. That, so they've argued that and use of firearms by person under 16 years of age means that it's, you know, that this is a restriction both on hunting and use of firearms by person under 16. So 16 and 17 creates a different, um, creates a, 16 and 17 are a different set of people according to these people making the arguments. Um, requirements for a certificate of accomplishment to attain hunting approval. Again, that's that's hunting approval. But here's the thing, and here's the point that the, I I was in, in, implored to go watch the video of the defense attorneys making the arguments in support of these arguments by the defense. And I went and I did it. And I would have played the entire arguments played by the feds, except for the fact that they did nothing to change my mind. They did absolutely nothing 
to change my mind. In fact, it solidified in my mind when the prosecution started talking because the prosecution basically said, if you're going to try and use 29.304 and 29.593 as an excuse as to why Rittenhouse should somehow be allowed to be carrying a weapon, chapter 29 of the Wisconsin uh, statutes is about wild animals and plants. It's about hunting and fishing and uh, wildlife and, and plants. It's not about use of guns and any other purpose except for hunting. That's what this section's all about. So no. So, so the, the, watching that the arguments made by the prosecution when it comes to uh, these, uh, these, these, uh, these rules that they were trying to make the argument, it didn't do anything. For, so if you want to watch them, they're on YouTube. You can find them absolutely, no problem. You can absolutely find these things on YouTube and you can listen to the arguments made by the defense and see whether or not you agree or disagree with it. Um, but here's the thing. They were not convincing to me. They did not convince me to say, oh, well, clearly Rittenhouse can have that gun now because Rittenhouse should be able to have that gun because why wouldn't he? Because he's 17 and you know the law carves out things. That's the argument you want, to, want you to make. That these laws basically say that it's that you can have you can have a gun at 17, or, or either either it doesn't apply to you or it does apply to you. It was so so nonsensical. That's that's why people use the whole well. They're saying that he was hunting, so therefore he could use these guns, because they're trying to argue that hunting regulations that are clearly meant for hunting regulations. Are somehow applied to Rittenhouse, who clearly wasn't hunting. I mean, maybe you could argue he was hunting people, but that's not. But it, but that section doesn't cover the hunting of people. That section covers the hunting of animals and plants. Doesn't cover when you're shooting people. That's a completely different section. So there you go. Again, and here and going back to the whole thing, you know, is there some vagary in that? Could that law have been better written? Yes, that law, and I'm, he wasn't protecting. And it, here's the thing, Robert Douglas, he was not protecting. He doesn't hit, he, he, who, what, or actually, what do you, what do you believe that he was protecting, Robert? That's what I want you to put in that. Before I continue on my comments, what do you believe Rittenhouse was protecting? Or how was he protecting? I guess I'll put it that way before I go on with that line of thought. But again, we'll go back to the whole hypocrisy of conservatism. Could that law have been written better? Sure. I will concede that the law could have been written better. As a software developer, I look at the ands and the ors, and I'm like, you know, but you could have written that better. And the judge says that there's some vagary enough in there that he's going to not outright deny that he could potentially at some point in the future all right, we're going to toss this charge because of what the law, how the law is written. But he hasn't done it yet because I'm probably thinking that he probably is thinking, well, let, let's, it clearly they could not have intended to do this with this law. So, but again, you're going to have conservatives that are going to say, thank you. Thank you, Robert Douglas, bringing a boy. Thank you. We'll get to that in a second. We're going to have conservatives who say, 
well, if the law says this and the law clearly says that, well, I don't think the law clearly says it, but if, if they're going to make the argument that the law says this because they're strict textualists, then, you know, then you, if, you, if you're going to, if you're going to be a textualist when it comes to the laws, you need to be a textualist when it comes to the Constitution. And if you're going to be a textualist when it comes to the Constitution, you have to then not cite the Founding Fathers. Because, again, you can't have it both ways. And this is an important point that bringing a boy, Robert Douglas, brings up in the chat. So for all of the people who are from a lot of those, uh, you know, either uh, Johnny Walker Dread, if you happen to be watching live or after the show, um, anybody else who might be watching who was participating in the previous discussions and wanting to talk about, oh, well, they're not charging him with the defense of property, but he was claiming there to be defending property. Even bringing a boy, Robert Douglas says his friend had asked him to help protect from the violent protesters. Well, I don't know who his friend was, but under Wisconsin law, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, I've done a video on this before. I know bringing a boy says that he can't see it, but it's there. Uh, But all you have to do is go look up uh, defense of third parties or defense of private property under Wisconsin law. Wisconsin law clearly states that there is a list of people who can use force uh, to defend the property, to either keep it from being stolen or from being damaged. And the group of people who can defend the private property and stop it from being harmed, damaged, or taken are the owner of the property. Uh, this is just regular force. So people who can use regular force, owner of the property, the immediate family or household of the owner of the property, or anybody who's legally responsible for the owner of the property, like maybe if there's a legal relationship set up, uh, people that work like the agents of the people who work for the property. A friend of the prop- of the owner of the property does not have the legal authority to use any force to defend a property, let alone deadly force. And the only time that anybody can use deadly force to defend a property is if it then raises to that that the threat is to somebody's now life instead of just the property, in which case you still have the right to defend a third party uh, for using deadly force if deadly force is reason, if the person reasonably believes that deadly force is um, applicable to help prevent somebody else from losing their life. So there are no violent protesters and it was his friend's property while the p- police were busy passing out water. That's one of the things, it's probably one of the reasons why they didn't charge him with the curfew charges because the police seemed to be um, acquiescing or I would say they're abdicating their duty to enforce the curfew by allowing the people to be there outside of the curfew or, or, the, or inside of or during the curfew. So, yeah, bringing a boy is Robert. <laughs> I don't know who Patrick was. I don't think Patrick is typing in all caps and bringing a boy often types in all caps. And that's how I tell the difference between bringing a boy and others. Did, we, did Patrick stop commenting? Let's see. Yeah, it looks like Patrick stopped commenting. Although Patrick stopped commenting when he said, don't be fat. So, yeah, or maybe he said one other thing after that, but that's ridiculous. Um, there, there are, if, you want to, if, if anybody's watching this episode and wants to hear why the comment of don't be fat is 
ridiculous. I would uh, ex- I would urge you to go listen to one of or watch one of the previous podcasts that I did, uh, basically called "My Life as a Fat Man," um, which will let you know why sometimes people don't necessarily have a choice in whether or not they're overweight or or not. Sometimes people have health issues that keep them from making it making it harder. It makes them harder. Makes it harder for them to lose weight. Sometimes people have uh, mental issues that come into play from past trauma or abuse. Uh, there is a strong correlation between people who have been abused as children and people who are morbidly obese. Uh, so I would urge you to go watch that if you want to learn more about life as a fat person in this, especially life as a fat person in this country. I strongly urge you to watch and or listen to that. Um, Bring it, boys. There you go, Dan. That's it. I don't know what you were saying. There you go, Dan. That's it, too. Um, apparently, yeah, yeah Demonox broke Patrick. Um, yes, the guy that burned the police station, Brian, you are right, was a boogaloo boy. He was a conservative. It was a conservative who burned down the police station in Minneapolis. It was not, um, now I don't know, This is that was Minneapolis. That was Kenosha. So I'm not quite sure, um, you know, talking about that. Let's see. Police, there, there are lots of times, there are lots of situations where the police should have been charged with aiding and abetting. But and there's some other, you know, things. That, there's another video that I make, and I, I would urge anybody who wants to listen to more of my arguments. I have, there is the first part of last week's podcast. There is the other podcast. Well, look, I, I said, I admitted that my, I did not make the most delicate argument that I could have. I could have made my argument better. And by listening to several of the conservatives that were commenting on my video, I did. I do believe that I've made my argument better at this point because, in you know, one of the arguments I was saying previously was that uh, his having a gun, his carrying that gun was illegal, and therefore he can't commit a crime. And he can't, he can't claim self-defense while while in the process of committing another crime. Well, if he jaywalked and somebody attacked him, then yeah, he'd be able to defend himself. So, um, so the better way to argue it is that the the actions that he did. Um, the actions that he took that night by carrying an illegal weapon, by being there out past curfew, by, you know, being a presence that would, I would argue, um, was riling people up more than they needed to be, um, how was more tightly coupled uh, to his, to his so-called self-defense. And as such, um, he shouldn't be able to have make a successful claim of self-defense because he was um, not there in a, in the capacity that would have been legal for him to do. Um, pigs aren't heroes except babe. Babe was a hero and babe was also delicious. Didn't expect that, did you? <clears throat> Bacon is good. Pork chips taste good. Then you need uh, someone else to come in and go, Stu, it might taste like pumpkin pie, but I'd never know because I wouldn't to eat the filthy mother. One of my favorite lines from Pulp Fiction. Let's see. I would Douglas, I say two whacks of the skateboard to the head and somebody is grabbing your protection device, then you have the right to express your talents with that protection device. I don't know if he'd say, if I would say that he has talents with that uh, protection device, uh, bringing a boy. However, um, I would also make the argument that it's, it's, you know, they were, the people who were there who saw Rittenhouse shoot somebody could have said, we need to go after this guy and prevent him from shooting any other people. So they could be the ones who, who could be arguing self-defense and not Rittenhouse. 
Rittenhouse. A lot of people were saying, oh, well, Rittenhouse is running away, therefore he was giving up the fight. As he's, If you're the aggressor, you're required to give up the fight to him, but it has to be adequate. You have to give adequate notice that you're no longer fighting. And the only time during the whole video that I've seen where Rittenhouse raises his hands as if to say, I'm giving up, I'm not, I'm not fighting anymore, is when he was walking towards the police cars at the very, very end and not any time prior. Had Rittenhouse at some point going, look, I'm not fighting, I don't want to fight, I don't want to fight, I don't want to fight, and done this, and then had they continued to attack him with him just doing this, then you know what? I would then argue that maybe he had the right to defend himself at that point if, when whacked in the head with a skateboard, when people were charging at him, when people were – now, at that point, maybe he did feel like he, his life could have been threatened. Could have been, he could have reasonably argued that his life was threatened, and he could have made the argument that he had already given up on being the aggressor and said, look, I want to stop, I want to stop, I want to stop. And then at that point, uh, he would be able to reestablish himself as a receiver or not football guys, but, you know, re- reestablish himself as, as somebody who could now commit an act of self-defense. But if you don't give yourself up like that, if you don't, as a former aggressor, say, I don't want to fight anymore, I don't want to fight anymore, I don't want to fight anymore, then you are not allowing the other people to have a reasonable belief that you are no longer the aggressor. And as such, they have the right to defend third-party people. They have the right to use deadly force against you. Let's see. Let's see. The kid was doing the parent good. Who was doing the parent good? I don't Rittenhouse, – Rittenhouse's mom failed him that night. That's one. That's for damn sure. If, if if I'm Rittenhouse's parents, and first of all, I'm going to be like, why are you going to another city to clean up graffiti? You know, why are you involved in all these other groups? Why? He needs a much better uh, – uh, the parents need to have much better control over what's going on in that kid's life to begin with, first of all. But if, if I'm his parent, I'm not going to allow him – at 17 years old, to go into another city where we don't, in a state that we don't live and go stand guard on businesses, private businesses. So the point this is, this is one of the things that, you know, a lot of conservatives' heads are going to explode about this. And I brought this up before too. But he knew that the likelihood that, that, it, that, it, it could, that going there was dangerous to the point where he might need a gun to shoot people. So then why go? Purposely put yourself in this situation knowing that you, that you were intending on shooting people if it got to that point. So then why go? Why You, you are now escalating the situation by going with a gun. You're, you're, you're escalating the situation by going, and then you're escalating even more by going with a gun. Like... If you, I don't understand why people kind of can't see why that's not part of the problem. Let's see. Oh, Johnny Walker Dread is here. Hey, Johnny Walker Dread, it is good to see you. Um, once again, you fail to understand because Kyle was not hunting. The, again, it's not that I didn't say the defense is claiming that those subsections. I, I maybe you're listening late. I don't know. Maybe you caught in at the end of the stream and maybe you're trying to catch up. I don't know if that's the case. Um, but here, here's the deal. Um, 
if, if you listen to the entirety of what I've said tonight, that the only reason that those well, the only reason that those would be applicable to Kyle was if hunting took place and he wasn't hunting. So that it shouldn't affect whether or not he's allowed to carry a dangerous weapon, period. Because again, the dangerous weapon clause only covers, not only covers guns, but brass knuckles, nunchucks, throwing stars, various other implements of destruction. So... That's, that's that's it, like and it's and it's already illegal, regardless of that law. It's already illegal, regardless of that law and what it, what that law says. For anybody, except for law enforcement or the military, to have any short-barreled rifle or shotgun. So it's like there's no reason to have another law that says. You can't have a short-barreled gun or shotgun or rifle when it's already illegal to have a short-barreled gun or rifle. So I would say common sense would dictate that you must mean something else, but common sense isn't that common. But even, so, so he's not out of compliance with those statutes because those statutes only apply to hunting and fishing and whatever and another Chapter 29 of, of the Wisconsin statutes, which Chapter 29 of the Wisconsin statutes deal with you know, fish, like hunting animals and wildlife and, and plants. But he still has to deal with the initial part of the law, which we'll bring back up again, because I guess we have to. 948.60. We'll bring it back up. Any person under 18 years of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a Class A misdemeanor. So if you're, are you arguing, are you, are you really trying to make the argument that this subsection set 3C down here cites the prohibition on short-barreled rifles and short-barreled shotguns that already everybody else is prohibited on using? You're trying to say that this right here makes it so you, you, could, you could then wear and use a, a, a shuriken, you could use brass knucks, you could use nunchucks you can use any electric weapon as defined by here which i'm assuming is a taser electric weapon means any device which is designed to redesign or used to intended to be used offensively or defensively to immobilize or incarcerate people by the use of electric current taser so right so it's absurd to make the argument that this down here means that this is now null and void if you're 17 years old. It's silly. So this right here, which is a violation, that it's a law that says almost anybody can't have a short-barreled shotgun, almost everybody can't have a short-barreled rifle, this hunting and fishing doesn't apply. So it's absurd to say that these two make it so that this, which is the law about possession of a dangerous weapon between a person of under 18, this, that says any person under 18 years of age who possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon is guilty of a Class A misdemeanor, is now really any person under 17 years of age. 
But if they meant it to be 17 years of age, they would have said under 17 years of age, thus allowing a 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse to have any of these weapons. But that's not the case because this is written 18 years of age, under 18 years. So if you're 17 years old, you can't have this, which is further amended by the hunting statutes, which basically say if you're, if you're hunting, you will go. You can have the weapons under certain circumstances. Now, again, is this written in good English? Uh, the, the, has the, the, the people in Wisconsin fail to uh, write this law as the best that it could? Maybe. And I'll say that. Maybe. Is it my, am I, is it, well, could the judge potentially say, well, because it's written as poorly as it is or whatever, if whatever the judge deems it to be poorly written as within the context of the entire set of laws that it exists in, you know, I can't say whether or not the judge is going to say, come down and say, look, it's too vague to apply this to Rittenhouse at this point in time. I can't, I can't justify if the judge were to say, I can't justify convicting Kyle Rittenhouse on a weapons charge under this subsection because the legislature failed in its duty to adequately deal with people who are 17 years old or 16 years old. So is that going to happen? I don't know. Again, but my point is that I believe, oh, I can turn that off again. I believe that we need to be looking at this you know, at, at the laws as written within the context in which they were written and not the laws as written just as just plain text without even taking into consideration what they intended. They intended to carve out to basically make sure to say, look, yeah, you can't be under 18 and have a gun unless these other conditions apply. So if you happen to be under 16, you can be able to do this. If, you have, if, you, if you're under 12 or 14, you can do this. But they made some exceptions for hunting and fishing or whatever. For target practice, you can have target practice. You can, you can train your kid how to use the gun without a lot, and that's legal, even though they're holding the gun. That's fine. You can have the target practice. It's fine. But... You know, Johnny Walker Dredd wants to say, wants to keep trying to say, you, you fail to understand. No, I'm not failing to understand anything. I understand it completely. I listened to the arguments made by the defense. He clearly wasn't hunting. So those don't apply. So then you have to go by the other parts of the law. So you either have to believe that the nine was it nine twenty six or whatever that the section of the law that talks about the short barreled so you either have to believe that that section with the short barreled rifles and guns that already bans everybody except for law enforcement from having the guns you then have to believe that that the written house not only be able to carry that rifle but he could wear carry brass knuckles he could carry nunchucks he could carry shirkins he could you know any other whatever that other weapon was the the, the the chain with the tips in the end i forget what it's called um you could you could, you have to believe that that is then nuking the entire part of the law for for 17 year olds and maybe even 16 year olds too and that's absurd it's absurd to believe that that's what the that's that's what they intended because if they would have said we believe that only people six, under 16 years old should be able to use these weapons be restricted in these weapons they would have amended that law too. 
again, if, if let's bring it back up one more time. Let's let's bring it back up. We're gonna go. We're gonna click down here to see to look at it. Was let's let's bring the thing up again, and we're gonna click on this again, and we're gonna see on March twenty first, twenty two thousand and six, um, is when this was enacted. This is when this uh, 948.60 was amended to have the new language in it. Well, if, if, if they were already amending, and again, and here, here's the important thing. Look, look at the text of this law. And, I, and, I, and I'm glad, Johnny Walker, Dredd, you are here to, to be able to watch this, because I want you to look at, this is Act 163. It's for 2005 in Wisconsin. An act to amend 948.63, but other statutes relating to dun, 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 possession of firearms by juveniles while hunting, suggested as remedial legislation by the Department of Natural Resources. And I hope you're paying attention here. The people of the state of Wisconsin, represented in the Senate and Assembly, do act as follows. Law Revision Committee Prefatory Note. This bill is a remedial legislation proposal requested by the Department of Natural Resources and introduced by the Law Revision Committee under 13.831C4. After careful consideration of the various provisions of the bill, the Law Revision Committee has determined that this bill makes minor substantive changes in the statutes and that these changes are desirable as a matter of public policy. Again, it was as suggested by the Department of Natural Resources relating to possession of firearms by juveniles while hunting. Hello? Do you understand this yet? Clearly, that language was amended to make it clear, that make, make the law clearer when it comes to hunting. That section has nothing to do with the provision earlier on that prohibits children under 18 from having guns loaded or unloaded, brass knuckles, tasers, nunchucks, throwing stars. All those weapons are still banned for people. This act, this, the, the, the text that amended the act, as it is currently written, was written specifically for hunting and no other purpose. It is not amended, so that entire section, not just, not just 29.304 and 29.593. The entire section was amended because of, of how it relates hunting to the possession of firearms by juveniles while hunting. You got to be some sort of bonehead to not understand that. But some people are boneheads, I guess. And they're going to insist that, oh, you don't understand. You still don't understand it. You still don't understand what the defense is arguing. No, yeah. I don't understand the tactics behind what the defense was arguing. Why? Because they're trying to argue that a section that was edited in 2005 for the purposes of juveniles carrying firearms while hunting, specifically asked for by, sorry, 
the Department of Natural Resources, specifically asked for by the Department of Natural Resources. That's that's what that's for. That's what that section's for. It's about hunting, the whole section, not just the nine the, the, the parts that link to the laws dealing with the animals and plants. That entire section was edited to the language of this today specifically for children carrying weapons while hunting. So it does not apply to this situation. I don't know how you could see it any other way. Plainly, I don't know how you could see it any other way. Because again, you would then have to believe that that section that was amended or altered specifically by the Department of Natural Resources or whatever for possession of juveniles while hunting, you then have to argue that that section was amended and should affect juveniles holding weapons at any other time. And that it would also affect not just guns, but all the other dangerous weapons that a juvenile under 18 would be prohibited from having, like tasers, like nunchucks and brass knuckles and throwing stars and other various implements of destruction. And I've been using the terms implements of destruction simply because of the fact that, you know, um, if you understand, if you understand what I'm saying about going back to Alice's restaurant, you can get anything you want at Alice's restaurant, excepting Alice. Let's see. Martin Moore. Let's go back to, the, to some of the comments in the chat. Psychologically, bringing a gun as a, to a protest makes you, marks you as a threat. Dude wasn't a cop, wasn't anybody but a radical. People were rightfully afraid of him seeing how his instinct was murder. Good point. Um, and I've made that argument too, that him, again, him going to that, to that event, to that place, just escalated things. He, by simply being there with that gun, escalated things. All of them being there escalated things but he i'm sure some maybe some of the other people he was there might have been like you know former military former law enforcement and maybe they were better trained in dealing with sort of stuff maybe that's why they didn't shoot people but rittenhouse did because he didn't have the proper training to be there to understand when proper force escalation measures how to escalate force to levels where you know what levels of force are okay when's deadly force okay he wasn't trained like that now his ignorance of the law doesn't excuse him from violating it but again as i said before many people failed him that night see adequate notice notice in my view is referring to reaction time to de-escalate joe r had time to retreat as the others they could have retreated like Harvard has but they don't here's the wisconsin law doesn't require non-aggressors to retreat. You're saying that Joe R. and others should have also retreated, but if they're not the aggressors, they don't have they don't have the duty to retreat under Wisconsin law. The only person who has a duty to retreat under Wisconsin law is the person who was the aggressor. If you're the provocateur, if you provoke the fight, you start it. You keep it going. If you then want to claim self-defense at some point, you then have the burden to retreat. And not just retreat, but to give adequate notice that you are disengaging from the fight. Hands up in the air, perhaps. One example of what you could have done. What he did do when he walked towards the cop cars, when he wanted to let the cops know. And here's the thing. Here's that point. 
he knew that by putting his hands up in the air, that, he, at that, that that's when he says, I no longer want to have, the, I no longer want to consider to be escalated. He knew because that's what he did instinctively. As soon as he called those cops, saw those cop cars show up. As soon as he was walking by those cop cars, he put his hands up in the air. was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not a threat. Please don't consider me a threat. I'm not a threat. He put them hands up in the air because that's how he knew how to communicate that to the police. He could have also communicated that, communicated that to the other people. Now, maybe he didn't know that in order to establish himself as having a requirement to have self-defense after you just killed somebody and shot him in the head, maybe he didn't know that he would need to give adequate notice to the people around him to let to, before he could effectively, under the law, you know, use self-defense again. But again, ignorance of law is not a justification to violate the law. So intimidation factor is why he can't that just basically is, is, is bringing a boy is now just basically saying that uh, he uh, intimidation factor. So he, you're, you're basically saying Robert Douglas, i.e. bringing a boy that he was intending to intimidate, which is then makes him a, which makes him a provocateur. One Wolf 888, when has the legislature ever been able to use common sense? I mean, okay, fine. But again, I've said earlier before, there's no such thing as common sense anymore. It's not common. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Um, Protesters choosing to defend themselves by disarming a shooter seems like a problem Kyle Rittenhouse alone created. I agree. Uh, he as a kid, uh, he'll, he just a kid, he'll get two shots off and they counted. Um, I don't know what that means. He had a, hold on, he had an AR-15, not a shotgun. I know he had, I know he had an AR-15, not a shotgun. The thing that I'm saying is that the law talks about AR-15s and shotguns with shorter barrels. And that law prevents everybody from having, except for law enforcement or military, those type of weapons. So you claim adequate notice must include raising your hand. I, I, I didn't say, no, I didn't say that adequate notice must include raising your hands. Let's, let's be clear about that. I didn't say that having adequate notice requires the raising of your hands. I'm just saying that adequate notice could have been given. One of the ways you could have given adequate notice is by doing this, which is universally, you know, understood as, hey, surrender, give up. No fighting. We're not fighting. My hands are in the air. Not, my hands are clearly not doing anything other than being up here in the air. I'm waving them like I just don't care. And again, he knew this. He knows that this means I don't, I'm not a threat because that's what he did when he saw the cop cars. He immediately, hands are up. I'm not a threat. See, the Las Vegas always goes towards the defense. What? The Las Vegas, one wolf, eight, eight, eight. Uh, of the, oh, Okay. You just either mistyped or if the law is vague, then it always goes to the defense. Maybe, maybe if it's vague enough, it's going to go towards the defense. But I said it's above my pay grade to determine whether or not this judge is going to say the law is vague. I'm going to say that, again, we're going to come back to here. We're going to bring it back open. We're going to put it back on the screen that because this clearly states that this this 
is related to possession of firearms by juveniles while hunting, and it not, does not just amend the parts discussing these two parts, but it also amends this by, you know, changing this to this, changing this to about the 12 inches of length or longer to just having a violation of this, because it does this, all part of this act, 163, 2000, 2005, Wisconsin, that it's clearly just pertaining to firearms by juveniles while hunting. So if it's not, if they're not hunting, then, then that, that exception doesn't apply to them. That exception doesn't apply to the general prohibition on juveniles under 18 having dangerous weapons, not just guns, but other ones as well, as I've listed. Uh, let's see. The only adequate interpretation of adequate notice is to create an opportunity to de-escalate a retreat. Um, Joe, R, A, Huber, Engage all had opportunity to retreat, but unlike Kyle, chose not to. Again, I'm saying that my argument is that Rittenhouse did not give adequate notice. His repositioning of himself on the map doesn't mean that he gave adequate notice. Just because you, 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 you're, you're moving into a different location, that could mean you're moving into a different location to get a better shot. Now, and so, again, the onus on making sure that the people around you know that you're giving adequate, that the notice is adequate, is on, the per, is on Rittenhouse at this point. The onus would be on the aggressor. And if, and if the people around, if he's seen as the aggressor, the onus is on him to give, make sure that the notice is adequate. And if the notice is not adequate, then it's not that he doesn't reestablish himself as somebody who is capable of using force to defend himself. Um, no hunting law can abrogate self-defense. And I've never said that hunting laws can abrogate self-defense. But the defense is trying to say that an act that was written to, to, to the, the current wording of the law as amended in 2005, that was amended specifically for purposes by juveniles, it somehow relates to this case. That's the problem that I'm having with the defense, is that that, that, that argument is nonsensical. You can't claim that a 2005 act that amended the, rule, amended the current laws to say what it currently says, and did so because of hunting purposes. You can't then say that this then makes it so that Rittenhouse can legally carry that gun when clearly the earlier part of the law says if you're under 18, you can't have a gun or brass knuckles or uh, taser or nunchucks or shiukens. Shiukens! Um, let's see. Boo, boo, boo. Deminox, you can't claim self-defense for breaking the law. They're, of course, going to come back to you and say, well, what about jaywalking, which I've dealt with that in my previous video. I'm not going to go over that argument again. Um, let's see, Demonox, uh, Martin pretends to be smart. <laughs> let's see. Perfectly early on to people who care about the law and want to upheld. Joe Rosenbaum, Martin Moore. Joe Rosenbaum had the opportunity to retreat. Um, no, we already did that already. Um, one wolf. Tom hasn't run away from every one of his attackers. What do you want him to do? The runaway is at a, are, are we back to, I don't know about Tom, which one's Tom. No one has ever presented any evidence that Kyle provoked. Um, are you talking about like the, the lawyers haven't said that he's the one that provoked people or are you saying 
what what I don't know. Are you trying to say that the lawyers haven't done so? I mean, he they're they're saying that he illegally murdered somebody and shot it by shooting him in the head. I think shooting somebody in the head is provocation. Um, one wolf call ran away from Rittenhouse. I don't know what that means. I don't know who call is. When Joe R chose not to retreat, he became an aggressor. I disagree. That's not the case. You you don't have to retreat. Joe R didn't. If Joe R is not the aggressor to begin with, he is under no requirement to retreat. Again, Wisconsin law states that the only person that has a requirement to give clear notice and to to, to retreat is the aggressor. If he's not the if, if he's not the aggressor in the case, then he doesn't have the duty to retreat. He can use force and deadly force to protect lives. He can use deadly Joe R. If he was defending a life, could use if he believed and reasonably so. If he reasonably believed that what he was doing was protecting the lives of the people around him by trying to disarm Kyle Rittenhouse then he was legally entitled to do so. Um, that was the reasonable belief that he had. Unless he was the aggressor, the law would have to prove that he was the aggressor. Um, one Wolf says running away is adequate notice. I disagree. I disagree that simply running away, I said that running, again, changing locations in the map is not necessarily implying that you were giving adequate notice that you're done with the fight. You could just be trying to get a better position. Um, tactical retreats made by people can be done lots of times. Let's see. The left made common sense overrated. Eh, I'm sorry, bringing a boy. I disagree with you. Um, Martin Moore, there's no evidence that he intended to shoot. He was pepper sprayed earlier and he chose to retreat. Child always closed the retreat. I mean, the evidence that he he had evidence to shoot because he he brought a gun to 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 a protest. Simple as that. Uh, obviously. And he had poor trigger discipline as well, uh, as, as it was shown by some other video that showed how I think Rittenhouse didn't fire um, to the individual who got his hand shot until contact was made, which meant that he was keeping his finger on the trigger without intending to shoot. The only time you should put your finger on the trigger, as I have understand it, is if, when you're, if you're intending on shooting. So if he had his finger on the trigger and, and wasn't shooting until contact was made, then that, that is reckless endangerment because he could have shot anybody at that point. Um, I have no evidence that Kyle was an initial aggressor. Um, again, I'm, I'm arguing that he was. <laughs> I'm arguing that he was because he was there um, in, in an illegal capacity, that his actions, uh, that, he, his, that him going there to defend, supposedly defend property that he had no right to defend, that he went there to with armed with a... A, with an AR-15 type weapon, as, as the media described it. I know the actual make or model of, of the gun that he had. Um, and again, it's up, to the, it's up to the prosecution. It's my opinion that he was the aggressor because of, the, to, because of everything surrounding the case. It's up to the prosecution to prove that. I'm sure the prosecution has evidence. There's supposedly, I think, an FBI video, an aerial video that, might, that I don't think people have seen yet. Um, and maybe there's other video that hasn't has been released to the general public that might be released after trial. Who knows? Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. I think we're all caught up with all of, all of, the, all of the chat at the moment. Uh, but it was brought up earlier, and I don't know where he went. I don't know where Patrick's time went. 
Um, but he wanted to bring up uh, Timothy George Simpkins uh, as compared to uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. And I, and, I, and I think it's important to bring up um, because, again, let, let, let's, let's review. Let's review what's going on here with, with uh, Timothy George Simpkins. He, he turned himself in. He's now out on bond. Uh, $75,000 bond as compared to Rittenhouse. Now, I think Rittenhouse proved why he deserved more bond. First of all, two different states, as Demonok said, two different states, two different sets of laws, two different bond requirements, and therefore you can't necessarily judge. And you said that he had 75000 but you know, it's the same municipality, it was the same state. And if you would have said at that point, well, why was one given less bond than the other? Maybe you have an argument to make. Um, but because uh, Simpkins was in Texas and Rittenhouse was in uh, Wisconsin, uh, you, you can't compare the two. It's two completely different things. But there's also many things, that, even if they were, there's, there's many things to take into consideration, uh, depending on how poor or well off the family is, depending on the resources that one might have. Um, you know, somebody might need to be we need to give a higher bond level because there might be a bigger flight risk. Rittenhouse showed that he wasn't following the rules as it went. No, he showed why perhaps he needed a higher bond because he was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing outside of prison, between outside of jail, between his arrest and his or his being um, charged with the crimes and him, you know, showing up in jail, showing up when he finally showed up. Because again, he disappeared for a while. No one knew where he was. He was, and he was off doing things that he wasn't supposed to be doing. So he proved why he perhaps needed a higher uh, bond than Simpkins does. Simpkins did. Um, Simpkins, as part of bond, is on house arrest. He has a GPS monitor. He can't possess a firearm. He, ha- he can't have contact with any of the victims. Um, and if convicted, he could face up to 20 years in prison. Um, I don't, here's the thing. Does anybody in this chat believe that Simpkins is going to get away with shooting people? Anybody? Now, I don't think Simpkins killed anybody. I, I think I think everybody who was involved in the altercation, um, all the people were hurt. A total of four people were hurt, including two students or two adults. But to, there, nobody died. So therefore, you're you're left at assault and not murder. You know, you're not, it's, it's different crimes. Um, I think it's 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 highly likely that that um, I don't want to play somebody else's news. Um, I think it's clear that he probably will go to jail. He'll probably go to prison for the actions that were involved. Um, and he may have been bullied, and he may have been fighting back against bullying. And I think you should stand up the bullies. Unfortunately, I think he he took his actions way too far. But I don't think there's anybody in this chat. And if you want to disagree, if you want to disagree with me, say so. I don't think anybody believes that he's not going to prison. I think it would it would take a stellar defense team to keep Simpkins out of, of prison for the actions that he did. Now, will Rittenhouse avoid prison? I don't know. I I, I think it's more likely that, that that Simpkins goes to jail than Rittenhouse does. Clearly, um, look at the history of our country. Look, look at how our country treats, you know, people who are accused of crimes who are black versus people who are accused of crimes that are white. 
white people often get off of, with their crimes more often than black people do. Uh, they get lighter, they'll get lighter sentences just simply because of the privilege of their white skin. Um, yes, Robert, yes, bringing a boy, Simpkins. Simpkins, because somebody else earlier in the chat, earlier in the podcast, I don't know if you kind of showed up yet, but Patrick's time wanted me to talk about Simpkins, wanted me to talk about the two cases. And because I guess but people who are trying to defend Rittenhouse are trying to say, oh, look, Rittenhouse is not being treated as nicely as Simpkins. Now, Simpkins is going to likely go to prison. Rittenhouse might not. Rittenhouse might not because of, of, of how the laws are written. And one of the ways that the laws are written, and we've talked about this a little bit in the chatting that was going on, is the fact that um, you know, we have these laws that have been written um, by ALEC and other conservative groups uh, that, have tri- that have been pushing the burden of proof off of the people making an affirmative defense. So let, let, let's talk about affirmative defenses here for a second. Um, if it used to be, if you gave an affirmative defense about, you know, about a crime, you're charged with a crime of homo- related to a homicide, and you as the defense say, yes, we killed that person, but it was a legal shooting and this is why it was a legal shooting. Um, the people were, who were making that argument would have been required to prove that argument. Not, you know, I think just with a preponderance of the evidence. I don't think they have to use the full standard when it comes to when it came to the affirmative defense. I think they would just have to use to prove that it was it was a legal shooting by the preponderance of the evidence. But these stand your ground laws came out. Uh, other types of self defense laws came out, written by Alec, written by other groups, in order to try and push the burden of proof away from the defense and onto the prosecution. And what's the problem with this? Well. Uh, if you're trying to tell the prosecution that they need to prove that it wasn't that that the that the use of force, for example, wasn't justified, that's asking the defense to prove a negative. Asking the defense asking anybody to prove a negative is a logical fallacy. Now some people have already disagreed with me on that, but I'm just gonna say it's a logical fallacy. I'm trying to find the Facebook because I made a Facebook page post, Facebook post on my personal page. Um, basically saying, hey, um, here you go. I said, any lawyers uh, want to help me out here? Um, in the state which you practice or practice law, if someone makes an affirmative defense of self-defense, stand your ground, or any other statement that the shooting was legal, who has the burden of proof? Is the burden is it on the defense to prove uh, that the defense, the self-defense, or the prosecution to prove that it wasn't? Um, as I recall, the Florida stand your ground law, and I believe the self-defense laws were changed to put the onus on the prosecution and prove a negative when traditionally it's been my understanding that when the defense raises an affirmative defense, that the burden falls on the defense to at least prove based on the preponderance of evidence that it was self-defense. Uh, but on my most recent podcast, the YouTube thread has people trying to say that if there's no state that currently requires the defense to prove the affirmative defenses was right, and now all states require the prosecution to prove it wasn't self-defense. If so, that's quite scary to require proof of a negative, and it opens the door to many people getting away with murder simply by claiming self-defense. 
And I don't want this to be a debate on those laws. I want this to be a discussion on the current status of affirmative defenses in criminal prosecutions. Um, so one of my family members who is an attorney in Florida um, responded and said, in Florida, to claim immunity from prosecution, understand your ground. The defendant has to allege that they are in a place that they had a lawful right to be, that they are not engaged in a crime, and that they reasonably believe that the deadly force was necessary. The burden then shifts to the prosecution to prove by clear and convincing evidence, higher than preponderance of the evidence, lower than beyond reasonable doubt, that the protections of a statute should not apply. Yes, it's extremely difficult to prove a negative, especially when the only other witness is dead. Um, so I asked then, follow-up question, prior to that, when an affirmative defense of self-defense was made in Florida, was the onus on the defense to prove that it was self-defense? And she responds, yeah, it was. The law was specifically changed to shift the burden to the state. The thinking was that it wasn't fair to the defendant to make him go through a trial if he was going to end up being acquitted. So why not put, make the state put on their case on, so to speak, sooner? Um, and that's apparently how part of how the stand your ground laws in Florida were have getting some other response, waiting for some other people who I know who are lawyers who might respond to that to other states. But I, I think I did find an example of Texas law where I think some of the Texas law does require that if you bring an affirmative defense, that, that the onus still may very well be on the defense to 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 prove um, with the preponderance of the evidence that. Uh, they did have that it was more likely than not uh, that the uh, that the person was defending himself and was legally allowed to be there was not provoking anything, et cetera. But again, it's a dangerous place that we move to in this country um, if we're moving to the place where you're requiring a, the, the prosecution to prove a negative, and you're going to say, "Well, Dan, shouldn't the, process, the prosecution always have the onus to prove the case?" Yes, the prosecution typically has the onus to prove the case and to prove the case beyond reasonable doubt. So, so you have to you you, you you can have reasonable doubt, you can't have unreasonable doubt. <laughs> or if you have unreasonable doubt, it doesn't worry, it doesn't matter. But here's the thing, you know. But if you're saying, yes, I did it. Yes, I I did. Yes, I did the actions. But this is why it shouldn't be considered illegal. Again, that should be on. The defense, because that's what it, that's what an affirmative defense is. Affirmative defense is say, I did this. I'm going to prove to you now why it's legal that I did so. Because, you should, because in, order, in order to raise that affirmative defense, you should have to prove that it was that way. No, now they're trying to make the state do it, which makes it harder to convict. And, and again, especially in circumstances where the other person's dead, and these laws are being changed across the country by conservative legislatures trying to make it easier for people to kill other people. Let's see. Yeah, Kyle may have turned himself in the next day, One Wolf, but ever, however, Kyle also then disappeared. Um, they're not the one charged with the crime. The only ones who charge the crime are do or can do affirmative offense. None of them have a defense, and it's and they're not being. I think one of them are being charged with the crime. I think the one that got shot in the hand is, and he also getting charged with the crime. See, so seeing a fellow walking with a gun is apparently sufficient provocation. Now, I'm not going to say seeing a fellow walking with a gun. I, th I think I think that maybe make, make put people on ease. Now, seeing people walking with a gun after he shot somebody, that might be enough provocation right there. Let's see, Robert Douglas bringing boy. Well, thanks for the left with the confusion. Oh, wait, more government. No, that's 
What are you talking about with, with the change to affirmative defenses? That's a Republican thing. That's a conservative thing. The affirmative defenses are a conservative addition, making, quote, more government or whatever. Um, but no, let's see. Seeing a fellow walking with a gun is apparently sufficient provocation. No, no. Uh, Joe R., I believe. I believe Joe R. was the one that got shot in the hand, right? Um, let's just see. Joe R. Make sure I have the right person. Um, Joseph Rosenbaum was the first one. I'm sorry. Um, again, there is there is probably a lacking of some evidence of whatever whatever took place between um, Joe R. running after Rittenhouse and Rittenhouse taking the shot. I don't, I, we, we, none of us know what happened prior to that, that to cause Joe R. to be um, angry, uh, to chase after Rittenhouse. But then why was, why was that happening? What did Rittenhouse do to make him want to chase him? Do you know? And this, is, this, this, this is the thing. This is the problem with the changing of the rules on affirmative defenses. If we don't know what caused Joe Rosenbaum to chase Rittenhouse before the shooting, we don't know what caused that to happen. Then for in order for it used to be that in order for Rittenhouse to claim self-defense that he would have to then explain why his actions were legally justified. He would have to explain what in that situation made him feel that the use of deadly force was allowed. What was, was, here's one thing that I don't know. Was Rosenbaum armed? Was, did Rosenbaum threaten him with anything other than a, 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 a clenched fist? What, how did, what did Rosenbaum do? There's video of Rosenbaum arguing with him. There's video, we've seen video of him yelling at somebody. But what do we see? Do we, do we see whatever Rosenbaum threatening him with deadly with, with deadly force? Are we supposed to just believe Rittenhouse if he says that he feared for his life? And was the fear for his life reasonable? And here's the thing, that, and that's one thing that um, Johnny Walker Dread misses in, in his videos that I've seen when it comes, to, especially his criticism of me. Um, it's not just Kyle Rittenhouse believing that his life was in danger and therefore he could use deadly force. It's not just that he has to have be reasonable in that belief. If his belief is not reasonable that his life was in jeopardy and that deadly force was required to to prevent himself from dying, then his claim of self-defense is invalid right then and there, which would then make him a provocateur to everybody else around him. Because if he shot somebody 
and it's not legally it's in self-defense, now he's the bad guy, and now the other people would have then, then have the right to disarm him. And even if Kyle's retreated every time that they confronted, which before anything else happened, maybe Rittenhouse didn't have the necessity to retreat. But if Rosenbaum chased him down, followed him, threatened violence against him, just like, like if he was going to punch him, you are not allowed to use deadly force to stop somebody from punching you. Only time you can use, we can bring up the deadly force rules yet again. Let, let's, let, if you need me to do that, we can do that. You can only use deadly force to stop deadly force. If you, if, you're, if, you, if you reasonably believe that you're about to die or that, you, that you, you're at, you need to defend yourself to prevent yourself from dying, you can use deadly force. <clears throat> if he was going to punch him, a punch isn't going to qualify as reasonably, reason, reasonable belief that your life is in danger. Did Joseph Roosevelt was the one that attacked Kyle in the first person job by Kyle? No, according to this, it's Joe. It's not. It's not Roosevelt. Rosenbaum. I don't know. So you. Again, this is the problem with changing the burden of proof, because without changing the burden of proof to Rittenhouse, you then make the prosecution have to prove that his, that his actions were not allowable, instead of having to make Rittenhouse prove that his, his shooting of somebody was allowable. Rittenhouse would have to, or the defense would at least have to explain why, in that situation, it was legal to raise your force, to escalate your force levels to deadly force. So was it Kyle, was it maybe Kyle was carrying a fire extinguisher and looking to put out a fire? I mean, do we know that it was written? Do we know that it was Rittenhouse with the extinguisher? And why would holding a, a fire extinguisher? Than justify Rittenhouse using deadly force. I, I don't. I don't understand that point. You can. You're free to explain that point further if you wish, but I don't understand that point that you're trying to make right there. Um, what else? Let's see. Left uses violence only if it's in their favor. I mean, I have no problem with people using. There was a case in New Orleans where. Um, I forget the guy's name. The guy worked for the city, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure he worked for the city. Somebody was coming into his property, um, and he shot and killed the guy for who was breaking into his house. And he was acquitted because it was self-defense. And I was one of the people who was like, yep, self-defense. You don't want to get shot? Don't go trying to break into somebody's house. So... I'm not going to sit here and say that there's no there's no time where deadly force is, is is there's no time where you shouldn't use deadly force. There are plenty of times where you can use deadly force. 
if you use deadly force to, to, to kill somebody who's breaking and entering into your house, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm going to say, look, you had every right to do so. You did it. And the story. And the law protected him in, in his right to protect himself. I don't know if he was married at the time. I don't know if he had other families at the time, but it doesn't matter. He, his life was threatened. He was reasonable in believing his life threatened because somebody was breaking into his house, and that, that triggers one of the uh, allowances for in New Orleans or in Louisiana to allow you to, to shoot someone is when they're coming into your house, and he did it. Came in her house. She shot him. Protected his life. I have no problem with it. He didn't go to jail. That's a good thing he didn't go to jail. So let's let's not play that game. Let's see. Sadie Sins, they're literally spewing nonsense at you now. This is obnoxious. I mean, it can be, but I, I want to handle the, all of the points. We know Joseph Roosevelt was trying to put a dumpster fire into a gas station. It was put out when he was yelling at people with firearms to shoot him. Uh, then if you have a gun and somebody grabs it, the law considers your attacker armed with deadly intent. Um, well, I, I would argue that if, if if you are if you are threatening people illegally with a gun, then that makes you the provocateur, and it would then somebody would be justified in taking your gun from you and disarming you, because you could use force for self-defense. Y'all are going to argue that everybody has the right to self-defense. Y'all argue that up and down to defend Rittenhouse. But you don't sit, look at the other side of it and say, well, if he thought that Rittenhouse was, was, was threatening other people with his gun. Now, I've seen video of Rittenhouse walking around that area. There was video of Rittenhouse. He didn't have it on his back. It's like strapped to his back. He was holding the gun. You're walking around holding the gun. You know, in your hands. I mean, it was more at a downward angle, I think. But Joe R. was mad because others put his fire out earlier. We saw Kyle with the fire stinger. She was furious. I believe that's what caused Joe R. to get mad at Jason. Okay, okay. So, so he starts chasing Kyle. And then he catches up to Kyle. At what point is it legal for Kyle to shoot? burden of proof who, who had that burden of proof by putting on the state you are making it easier for people to get away with illegal shootings by by keeping it with them with the defense you're basically saying yes you have the right to raise an affirmative defense to defend yourself and when you do so you need to be able to provide the evidence to say hey this is why and it can just be simple testimony because he can say this is what happened in the moment, and this is why I felt the need that I had to shoot. But you know what? Let's go to the next, to, to the, when they shot the guy in the hand. Let's go to that. Let's go to that video. And if you go, that video is on uh, Johnny Walker Dredd's page. If you want to see it. So there, see, I'm giving, I'm giving shout-outs to Johnny Walker Dredd. Go, go look at his page. This actually comes from somebody else's page, uh, individual. I believe he lives in Europe. I forget what his name is. However, one thing that that video shows, I believe, and and I know y'all will correct me if you think I'm wrong, but if the contact of the foot 
caused Rittenhouse to shoot the guy in the hand. To me, that probably means that it's, it's, the, it's the contact that caused the shooting, which means he had poor trigger discipline. So if he's running around with his finger on the trigger later in the night, he's probably running around with his finger on trigger earlier in the night too, which could mean that anybody, even if, even if they don't touch the gun, somebody nudges, if, some, if, if the gun comes into contact with somebody else and pushes the gun forward into his, into his finger, any slight motion like that or, or enough of a motion to, to pull the trigger back, don't know how sensitive that trigger is on that weapon, but any movement that's going to cause that finger to pull that, to pull that trigger back is going to get somebody killed. So we would have to, you know, I don't know if there's any video that shows his poor trigger discipline on the first shooting, but I think that, I think we know that we have poor trigger discipline on that last shooting. Let's see, Robert Douglas, an 18-year-old student, open fire. Wait, Robert Douglas, you just complained about me bringing up the other guy. Now you're bringing up the fight in Dallas. Now you're bringing up the same thing you complained that I brought up. Uh, let's see, I would recommend you view the radio's documentary of the night. Okay, I'll check it out. Um, I'll probably check it out. Not, probably maybe not tonight, but I'll check it out. Um, okay, bringing a boy, you complained that I brought up the Texas case earlier. And now you're bringing it up now? Yes, an 18-year-old student opened fire during a fight in his Dallas area school for Wednesday, injuring four people, then fleeing. Um, and he was arrested, and he's probably going to go to prison. How is this justice for him and not Kyle? Um, well, justice wouldn't be for him. Justice would be for his victims, the people that he shot. Now, the four people that he shot, two adults, two kids, none of them died. Whereas Rittenhouse killed two people. So justice for the victims would mean both of them going to jail for the appropriate amount of time for each of the crimes that they did, which are different. Now he was, now I would, clearly he, there was an illegal possession of a gun in Texas. So that, that was, that's clear. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but again, he shot people. He harmed people. He's probably going to be punished for that. Our system of justice is very good at punishing certain people for the crimes they commit. Our system of justice is not as good as punishing other people for the crimes they commit. They let him go on bond. He has, he's in house arrest. He has an ankle monitor. He has to stay in house arrest. He can't contact the people he fought with. He has to stay home. Yeah, they let him out of jail but he's in, but he's on house arrest. Sometimes you're drive me nuts. Bringing a boy. <laughs> it was fun watching the conservatives here self-destruct and say these things. Well, right. You know, some, I would say it's like shooting fish in a barrel sometimes, but I don't know about using gun analogies at this point. Um, but again, so just, just to kind of, a. A too long didn't listen or too long TLDR type moment uh, for the end of the podcast, and, and we'll, we'll bring this page back up one more time. Uh, the defense attorneys in the Kyle Rittenhouse case last week tried to bring up 
this particular statute as it was amended by the 2005 Wisconsin Act 163. Uh, they brought up this section of laws to bring up why Kyle Rittenhouse should not be charged uh, under the uh, other part of the law that we'll show in a second. But this part of the law amends 948-63C um, relating to possession of firearms by juveniles while hunting, while hunting. Let's say that again, while hunting. This, is, this section here is, was suggested as remedial legislation by the Department of Natural Resources to be applicable while hunting. Not goodwill hunting, but while hunting. So if this part here is for while hunting, that means this part here is for not hunting, which means that any person 18 years of age cannot possess uh, or commits a class A misdemeanor if he or she or they um, possesses or goes armed with a dangerous weapon, which includes any firearm, loaded or unloaded, tasers, brass knucks, nunchucks, uh, cestus, shuriken, mankarakuguzi, whatever that's called. I, I don't know what that's called. So again, to me, whatever the defense argument try to be made, I don't think they're going to be successful. I, I think the judge, I mean, if the judge does decide to, to say it's too vague, I think that's above my pay grade, but I don't believe that it's going to happen because, again, it's clear that that entire section was only about juveniles hunting. So it doesn't apply to anything else. Again, you have three, let's bring it up one more time. So the three exceptions to the rule about children under the 18 of age, year 18 of age or younger, under 18, under 18 years of age, I'm sorry, I misspoke. If you're, target practice with an adult, uh, if you are in the armed forces or National Guard, or if you're hunting, because as we've all seen, this amendment was given, well, this legislation was amended by this Act 163, I'm repeating it one more time just so everybody's clear, for the purposes relating to possession of firearms or juveniles while hunting. So, Sorry, you're not winning me over unless you bring up some amazing proof. You need to bring up some amazing proof that would undo that bit of logic right there. Because I think at that point, mic drop, game over, I think I've proved my point. I think I've proven why Kyle Rittenhouse should have had that gun. Because clearly, while hunting, clearly. And again, Martin Moore, you're saying no hunting law can abrogate your right to self-defense. And I'm, I'm not saying that a hunting law abrogates his right to self-defense. I'm saying that he illegally carried that weapon. This is about the hunting. This is about the, the illegal, illegally carrying that weapon. That, that's, he, he has four charges against him. Reckless endangerment. The two guys that he, the two guys that he shot. And the illegal carrying of a weapon. The defense trying to get out the weapons charge because of the hunting hunting rules. I've just showed you why that's ridiculous. Because the hunting rules, the, the, those exceptions in that section of the law are only carving out exceptions for hunting, which means that anybody 18, under 18 years old is prohibited from carrying 
any sort of dangerous weapon. Period. Can't carry it. You're not allowed to do it. Not allowed. So he can be charged with it. Even if even if it's shown that he legally defended himself with that even if the defense manages to put enough mud in the water to, to acquit him on the charges pertaining to reckless endangerment and murder. Even if that happens, he's still illegally carrying that weapon. He, he was illegally carrying that weapon all through the night. All through the night. Sorry, Cindy Lauper. Um, so that's why it's there. That's why I'm talking about that particular rule. The defense was trying to get that rule, that charge kicked out because they believed about Hunt, this is, this is, that it didn't apply to him. But it, it, the entire section doesn't apply to him because it's only about hunting. Since he wasn't hunting, therefore, he was illegally carrying that weapon. Can you defend yourself with an illegally carried weapon? Well, that's part of the law that comes forward that says, hey, you know, you can't commit self-defense while breaking the law. So, like, you can't provoke people and, you know, you, you can't create the situation that's, that's terrible. So that's up to the judge and the jury to decide whether or not those actions that he were doing, how tightly coupled they would be as comp- to the overall actions of the night. No, Martin Moore, by your logic, people under 18 have no rights to self-defense because um, no. Not, no, that's not true at all. You can defend yourself, clearly. Self-defense doesn't have to include a gun. You have a bat. Look, you can walk around with a bat. And you can defend yourself with a bat. I don't think a knife is, is included in that list of dangerous weapons. I think he could have had a knife on his person and maybe defended himself with a knife. He could have had a crowbar. You can have any other items. And he it, it may be determined that, you know, there was the case that was brought up, the other case, I forget the last name of the guy, um, where, you know, Johnny Walker Dredd tried to bring up the guy that, that had the weapons charge, um, who, but he went and got the weapon when he thought somebody was breaking down the house, the door, that place that he was at, the residence that he was at, and it turned out to be the cops on a no-knock warrant, so he put the gun down. He doesn't shoot anybody. Um, so he had the right, according to the courts, the Supreme Court, he had the right to defend himself with the weapon. But he only got the weapon because when he felt the threat was there. Rittenhouse was carrying the weapon well before, well before any of the violence took place around him. I mean, Rosenbaum Savon is not on trial, one wolf. But no, Martin, Martin Moore, by your logic, people under 18 have seven. No, that's not my logic at all. That is, that is a, that is one of those, uh, self-destruction moments that Demidoff was talking about. Um, no, if you are under the age of 18 years old, you can defend yourself. Uh, weapons. Uh, there are things you can defend, like a bat. Get a bat on your person. You can walk around with a bat. You, you can fight. You can punch. You can kick. Um, but no, I'm not saying you have no right to self-defense if you're under 18. If you were legally carrying a fire, let's say you were 
let's say you were let's say you were training on how to use a gun, and then you were you were attacked uh, while during a training. You could shoot the person with that gun. You were you were legally using that gun. You could defend yourself with that legally used gun. It might be argued that maybe maybe the, the, they would believe that if that that he could commit self-defense with the gun. It doesn't eliminate the weapons charge, though, Martin. That's the thing. Even if it's ruled that he that all three were self-defense, even if that was that's what the court comes up, if the jury comes back not guilty because he was self-defending, he was defending himself in all three cases, the jury could still come back and punish him for illegally carrying that weapon. Why? Because he was illegally carrying the weapon for well before any other other actions took place. The fact that he might have to commit an act of self-defense later tonight doesn't justify him committing a crime. Period. Like, you're basically making the argument that he's justified in carrying a gun despite it being illegal for him to carry a gun because he might have to defend himself at some point during the day. By your logic, an eight-year-old should be able to carry a, 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 a pistol in his pocket. Because what if what if? Doesn't an 18-year-old have the right to defend himself? I mean, why not? That's what you're saying, right? The, the reverse of your faulty logic is that an 8-year-old should be able to carry a pistol just in case he might have to shoot somebody in the kneecap. <laughs> I read Bringing a Boy's razor-sharp pennies as razor-sharp something else, and I was about to be like, what are you saying? What is it? Where is this going? And then I read that it was pennies. Thank you. Thank goodness I read it twice. Um, you don't get to dictate the tools used for self-defense. But again, Martin, you're, you're confusing the issues right now. You're confusing the illegal carrying versus the tools of self-defense. I already just said it's possible that the court could come back and say, despite the fact that that gun was illegal for him to have, he's still not guilty for self-defense purposes if the court deems that there's either enough evidence to show self-defense or not enough evidence to convict of a crime. That doesn't negate the crime of illegally carrying the weapon. He could Again, he could be found guilty of carrying an illegal weapon while not guilty of self-defense. I mean, you say this is a life-threatening situation. What's the life-threatening? When does the life-threatening situation start? He purposely went, are you saying that's a life-threatening situation when he went into it in the first place? Maybe he shouldn't have gone into the situation in the first place. He shouldn't have gone in the first place. He shouldn't have been there. He had no right to be there. Curfew, even though they weren't enforcing the curfew, um, he had no right to be carrying the weapon. And he had no right to be protecting other people's property. So you're trying to muddy the issue by, by combining the one charge with the other three. And I'm telling you that you're wrong. The, the, the justification, he, he cannot be justified in carrying that gun just because he might get shot later. He might have to use it later on in the day. Well, if you think that you have to, might have to shoot somebody in the day, later in the day, so that you have to bring a gun to this to a, to a place that could likely explode 
not theoretically, but could ex- could this a combustible situation, and sometimes literal if you want to look at the trash bin. Um, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Martin Moore, it is not established that it was illegal for him to have that weapon. I am saying it's illegal for him to have that weapon, and that's my opinion based off of how I read the law. Now, if the court says that it's illegal to have the weapon, the court's going to rule that it's illegal to have his weapon. And I'm saying that even if you're right and that it was all self-defense, the court could still come down and say he was illegally carrying a weapon. He had no right to carry that, and he's going to be punished for illegally carrying a weapon, period. And now you're going to make the circular argument again back to the whole, you know, but then you're saying that you can't, you can't defend yourself. You can't carry an illegal weapon. Maybe if, if, you, if, you, if you're not allowed to legally carry a weapon, maybe that's the law saying, you know what, maybe, maybe children shouldn't be in situations that would justify people carrying, carrying guns. If he felt that it was so dangerous that he had to be there armed, that's what he felt, then maybe he shouldn't have been there in the first place because he's 17 freaking years old and not able to carry the gun. Let's see. The judge didn't nearly throw out the misdemeanor weapons charge. The judge agreed to look at it some more. The judge asked some questions. But the judge was not ready to throw out the weapons charge. I mean, did you watch the video? The judge clearly was not ready. He had questions. He wanted to look at it. He left open the door that he might possibly throw it out at some later date. But he didn't nearly throw it out. It wasn't like, it wasn't the prosecution going, hey, you know, whew. We got away with this one. No, it was the prosecution making pretty much a damn good argument that this section only relates to hunting and fishing or whatever, or to the, to the use of natural resources and hunting. And the judge was like, I'll look at the wording. I'll take my time to consider it, but I'm not throwing it out today. He was nowhere. He was never going to throw it out that day. He left open the possibility that he couldn't throw it out later, but he you're saying that he nearly threw out the misdemeanor weapons charge is a false statement. That is incorrect. Incorrect. I don't know why you keep saying that he nearly threw out the charge. He didn't nearly throw out the charge. I listened to, the, to what the judge said. He left the door open to the possibility of it. That doesn't mean it's probable. That doesn't mean it was nearly happening. <clears throat> Did Sadie Sin sneeze, bringing a boy? I don't know if you can hear that. God bless you for another reason, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, oh, look, we're we're like almost to another three-hour show, a three-hour show. I wasn't intending this to be a three-hour show, but, I mean, I did spend the first 45 minutes talking about non-written house issues, and I was expecting to at least talk about another half hour on Kyle Rittenhouse issues. Uh, I wasn't expecting to go all the way to three. And actually, technically, I can go on this as long as I wanted to. I'd have to stop Blog Talk Radio at three hours, but I can continue on YouTube as long as I want. I mean, I have work tomorrow, so I don't think I can. Um, but, and I think, and what, what's amusing here is I don't remember exactly when I said um, 
that I was going to do a TLDR uh, or a quick recap of everything. I think that was about a half an hour ago when I said I was going to do a quick recap of everything. Um, and we do have some members leaving. Martin Moore saying, nice chatting with you guys. Got to go. Uh, bringing you voices. Great show, Dan. So I am going to probably go ahead and call it a night at this point. But um, to go back over uh, everything again, just to make it a real, you know, if, in case you missed the entire show when it comes to Rittenhouse, uh, people have been making the argument that the uh, the defense had made the argument last week that uh, this this section of the law, that, that this is the act that amended that section of the law, means that Kyle Rittenhouse could legally carry a gun in that situation. But this entire section, again, has to do with juveniles while hunting and the possession of firearms thereof. It doesn't have anything to do with anything that's non-hunting related, so it doesn't apply. So what does apply is the other section of the law, which says that people under the age of 18 cannot have any uh, dangerous weapons and any other implements of destruction, so to speak. Um, and that includes nunchucks, shuriukens, uh, tasers, uh, brass knuckles, and of course, firearms loaded or unloaded. And... So even if he is deemed to have acted in self-defense, which I don't believe in my opinion that he acted in self-defense, it is my opinion that, that he did not adequately um, give notice that he was giving up the fight when it came to the last two shootings. Uh, I don't believe that there's enough evidence to show that deadly force was, was called for when it came to the first shooting for shooting Rosenbaum. Um, it is clear uh, that... Uh, Rittenhouse's poor trigger discipline from, if you look at one of the videos, when his foot, the foot of the last victim uh, kicked him in the arm is when he got shot, which, pro- which meant that probably that's what probably pulled the trigger back, which probably meant he was having his finger on the trigger instead of on the side, which means he has poor trigger discipline. And we all know, we all saw the end of the night when Rittenhouse raised his hands saying, I'm not a threat, I'm not a threat, as he was walking to the cop car. So we all know that Rittenhouse knows how to inform people that he's no longer a threat. Had he done that earlier and had the people continue to attack him, he might have then established himself as having uh, a legal right to then, at that point, defend himself. But I'm arguing that he did not give adequate notice because he didn't do anything similar to, not requiring a hands up, mind you, but similar to a raising of the hands. Anyway, this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from left, that's right. Join me next week and every week, 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan um, or here on YouTube, Liberal Dan Radio on YouTube. You can check me out on uh, liberaldan.com. has all of my social media links. I'm at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, Liberal Dan on Facebook, Liberal Dan Radio on TikTok. And if you want to support the show, subscribe here, like the video, share it with your friends, and you can become a Liberal Dan Radio Patreon. You can get shout-outs during the show. You can also get commercial advertising as well. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman from Band Radio. On the left, that's right.